Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks, share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Six, five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and joining us today, folks, last but not least, we have Mr. John Bromley, founder and CEO of Charitable Impact. John, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm not doing too bad. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, rule number three, as you point out, is to have fun on the show today. So what is what is so fun about Charitable Impact to you? Tell me about the, uh, I guess, the conception of this fun idea. <laughs> well, you know, charitable giving needs to be more fun. And it, it is actually fun because when you do things that you care about, when you use your time and your talent and, and, and some of your money to dedicate towards the things that you really care about, you have a great time doing it. Um, and, and, and you know what? You also create some impact along the way. And if you're not creating as much impact as you want, come back and ask yourself what you can do differently to get, to get better at it, to sort of tweak the, the, the outcomes that you want to see. Um, but charitable giving isn't always fun based on how so many of us experience it, uh, where you know, we're asked to give and then we sort of maybe hum and haw a little bit and say yes sometimes and say no sometimes. So, so the way to have fun with charitable giving is to, to go inside yourself, uh, determine what it is you care most about, why, and then use the same time and talent you use to play soccer or get your work done or do other things in life to, to dedicate towards you know creating the change you want to see in the world. And that is fun. 
I like that. Talking about impact is one of the more fun things to me, of course. That's why we have a show dedicated to it. But impact, I think, is a loose term. It's an ambiguous term. Everyone kind of defines it in their own way, which is okay. How do you define impact, John? Well, I think when it comes to charitable giving, there's two types of impact. And one is one of the two is not often talked about it. I'd like it to be talked about more. But let's start with the the sec, the, the obvious one. Um, you know, the, the the change that you actually contribute towards creating in the world is 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 the impact, right? So so what is it you're trying to get done and why are you trying to get that done? How do you want to see the the the, the dial, you know, ch- change? What, what do you want to see move forward? And that sort of impact, it might be the impact on your community. You know, you might be focused on youth education. You might be focused on the environment. You know, what is it that you're actually trying to change? And do you think you're moving towards that? So so that's the impact. On this point, it's all, it's also important to recognize like in entrepreneurship, you know, uh, or any journey, it's it's about the journey as much as it is the outcome. So, you know, what is it that's happening on the, along the way? And, you know, you, 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 mistakes are fine or mistakes are cool. And that, in fact, they're inevitable. So, so it's more how do we react to the mistakes and continue on our mission towards trying to create the change that we're trying to see, right? So this is impact on the side of outcomes in the communities we care about, outcomes in the world that we want to see. Here's the side of impact, though, that's not talked about as much in charitable giving that I think is really critical, the impact on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, how do, how do we change in, in, our, in our own behaviors, in our own self-identity, you know, and how we feel about ourselves uh, and how we feel about our, 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 our life, our purpose for being here, uh, you know, when we do contribute? Um, and I think it's really important to start talking about that, you know, giving and being focused on things you really care about in life is, is cool and fun. It's, it's, um, you know, it goes both ways, you know, it's interesting to like, think about charity like that, because like, is it selfish to give because it makes like me feel better? But I think like, what's I'm most fascinated about is like, how do we, build a, a scalable model to address some of the world's greatest challenges. And I think what charitable impact is doing is is providing a tool. It's providing support. But I think in order to get there, like we need to have some education. So for people listening to this, John, like the layman out there, like how would you explain to them what charitable impact does? Well let's step back to your a comment you made in your question there. Um in my view, the biggest problem in the charity world, you know, this world of creating change in the, is, is that there's really nowhere for people to go to learn about it, right? And so you've got generosity, something I believe is innate, something that I, that I really think is a part of every human being. Um, but then knowing how to channel that generosity towards desired outcomes that you care about and want to see in the world is where things break down, right? So, um, uh, and, and it's just worth pointing out that there's, really know where to go to learn this stuff. I mean, there are a few exceptions, but let's more talk about the fact that there's nothing clearly obvious. I, I was in a conversation with someone the other day, I've got two children, uh, you know, uh, my kids are, are boys, they, 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 they kind of like sport. And so it's like, hey, you wanna play some sport? It's like, yeah, okay, how about, what, what, how about soccer? Yeah, let's, I wanna try soccer. Okay, so what do you do as the parent? You know, you go online, what do you find? You find a soccer club in your neighborhood, you find a, learn more, you find a sign up button, you sign up, you get allocated to a team, that team has a coach, that team has practices, and it has games. This is how you, these are steps that you go through to learn about soccer. 
Okay. So where do you, where do you go to find a, a you know, a community, you know, full of donors, uh, people who want to create change in the world? Where do you find a, a, a coach that can help, help you develop your skill set along the way and give you some education? Mm. Um, and then where do you ultimately find the tools to help you carry that out? So with that as context yeah. uh, to your, to your, your question, you know, what charitable impact is doing is it's giving a, a cause neutral environment built for donors. The, the, the target audience of the product and the service that we provide is, is for the donor. And that donor uses charitable impact to impact the causes that they care about. So oftentimes when we're talking about what's going on in charity, a world like fundraising comes up and you talk about a specific charity who's targeting an individual to try to get them to give usually money, sometimes time, right? What charitable impacts do is going straight to the donor and saying, how can we help you carry out the, 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 the giving side of what your life is going to be about, right? So, so, so in there, we provide a, a giving account. It's called a known as a donor advised fund to all the charity nerds, you know, out there. Um, but, but it's just a giving account. So people can donate into the account. They get their tax receipt right away. They can hold money in their account. You can even make investments from there to the benefit of your charitable giving, you know, uh, funds. And then you can send the money when you're ready, when you've got some comfort or confidence with regard to what you actually want to do with the money. To, to, to any registered charity, right? So in that regard, we're, we're kind, of like, kind of like a charity bank, right? Where the target customer is the donor and where the recipient charities uh, are, are just the, 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 the vehicles for creating change that the target customer, the donor, has chosen to give money to. Right. So I, I am one to have a donor advised fund and I'm trying to like figure out like what I want to do with it. So like help me like if I was the layman, I'm just opened up a donor fund, advice fund. And I like maybe I want to support some nonprofits here in San Diego, get to know, get involved in the community, get educated on it. Um, like how would you, how do you recommend people think about going about their donations uh, to, to benefit the community, but also kind of put their money where they uh, it also benefits them, I guess. Well, rule number one on the podcast, you said it was about me. So to truly answer your question, I'd have to drill questions at you. Uh, but uh -oh. let me give you, uh, <laughs> so let's switch off seats here. No, let, let me just, let me give you sure. a, a bit of a general, a bit of a general view. One of the super duper value props of the donor advice fund is that it, it allows you to separate your, your donations, the, the, like parting, sacrificing the money that you're going to give away from the decisions, the separate decisions about what causes and or specific charities you're going to give them that to. So, so, so when you can separate donation from allocation, mm. if you will, um, what that enables you to do, first of all, is think about those two things separately. So let's just first talk about donation. You know, how much money do you want to give away? You know, is it a number? Is it a percentage of your income? Right? You know, are you religious? Is there something tied to a tithe or a, you know, a zakat or something like that? You know, so how do we get to your number? Right? That, and that's one side of the conversation. It's really important to have those conversations. 
And then the other side of it is, you know, well, what is it you care about? Oh, so you live in San Diego. What do you, what do you, you know, is that where you want to have impact? You know, because maybe you want to have impact in Malawi, or maybe you want to have impact in LA for, for reasons that have to do with you. Um, you know, so where, and then what type of cause? Like, are we talking health? Are we talking, you know, helping with poverty? Are we talking with helping people advance their education, right? Is it something religious? So what is the area that you care about? And the most important thing that to focus on there is, is, is why you care about it. See, almost everyone knows what they care about changing in the world. It's not super hard for people to get to, oh, no, I care about this. What's more difficult is what are the specific charities with the, with the best programs in that area? That, that is a difficult question to answer. For most people, it's not so difficult to answer what they care about. And so back to the value of the donor advice fund, when you're trying to support the donor, you want to give them the tool that allows them to be charitable along the way, you know, and, and still take the time and space they need to be confident about the decisions they make about what charities they give to. Right. Because the only alternative, generally speaking, is waiting for a charity to ask you for money and reacting to that or reacting to something else and going online and searching frantically for, you know, someone to give to. Uh, we prefer to be a bit more about your, your lifestyle. So, so just make a decision on how much money you're going to give. Start making those donations. Develop those funds in your donor advised fund, right? And then use a separate part of your, your brain and, and your heart to, to, to think about why you're going to give to certain charities. And through doing that, you can then start to really get to know the charity better. I mean, what is the program that you're trying to support? Is that program effective? Why is it effective? Should I give them more money or should I look for another charity to give to next time? Right. I like that. It's, it's very clear now. And But a, a question I do have is, would I be able to allocate the funds or would the manager be able to allocate the funds to like a benefit corporation or a for-profit? Would it have to always be a nonprofit or foundation? Uh, when you're granting money, when you're giving money away from your the donor advice fund, it would necessarily have to go to uh, a nonprofit, a, 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 another another charity, something that's qualified as a charity. Uh, however, uh, most donor advice funds and and charitable impact is 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 modern in this in this way will allow you to make investments along the way. Hmm. So if you can if you can invest in a public corporation that the donor advice fund allows you to do, that's the way to have impact uh, through that type of corporate vehicle. Right. And, and where this leads is, 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 a, is, is an area where contemporary sort of progressive philanthropists are already, mm -hmm. but where the, the world is going, where, and again, you need a donor advice fund to carry this out, mm -hmm. but is where the investments you make with your charitable dollars are targeting the same cause as the grants that you're making, right? Because everyone should, should know, well, what we want people to know is that the only way to create change isn't through charities, mm -hmm. right? There's ways to create change through for-profit vehicles, through investments uh, that, that take a bit more of a market approach to, to solving problems and, 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 not, a, uh, and not, not the approach charities take. So we actually want both happen, right? So and the donor advised fund should let you do both. And if they don't, I would suggest looking around for one that's a bit more progressive. That's really interesting. So like um, one of our partners say like One Tree Planet and they focus on like reforestation um, and, you know, 
adding, of course, sequestering more carbon um, for, let's say, you know, book companies who, you know, cut down a lot of trees to, to make paper and have, you know, uh, one tree planted, you know, as a partner, would it be wise if I was trying to support that for-profit company? Would it make sense? Is that what you're kind of saying? Like you can use that money into like a nonprofit to really support those causes and maybe reduce like their costs and also bring more awareness about what they're doing. Is that kind of the the thinking? Well, the thinking is generally that you can make a change in the world by with money by giving it away to charities that you think are whose programs are really important you can also make change in the world by investing money into corporations that are doing something that you think are important and what we want to see or what we we, and we want people to know that and then we want to you know let them determine to what extent you know their own giving journey uh these investments with their charitable dollars going into the same causes that they're grant making to, mm. uh, you know, you don't have to do that, but it, it is a way to be more holistic about and purposeful about what you're actually trying to create change for, you know, during the relatively short term time that we, that we have on this planet. Yeah, it's, very, it's very forward thinking, of course, you know, impact investing. It's been around, I think for like, I don't know, over like 25 plus years. It's like still really, really new. Um, and it used to really be for like the ultra high net worth individual. And now, I don't know, I'd just be curious to know, like, are you seeing like more and more investors asking you questions about this? Like, is, is this a movement that's, I guess, here to stay? I think that the movement is here to stay. And the reason I think that is because it's becoming more clear to more people that what their money does when it's invested uh is a major contributor to the direction that the world takes, right? So, so in the olden days, you know, and I and I have a corporate finance background, right? In the olden days, the way I was taught corporate finance, um, it, 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 like the short version of it, is that it's like it's all about ROI. It's all about the return on investment. Now it's about ROI, but also what's the cost of creating that ROI. Right. So I think impact in investment is 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 not just here to stay. I think it's going to take over everything. Hmm. Um, it might take 50 or 100 years, but it's going to take over everything because generational shifts are going to happen and people are going to be going, OK, well, not just does it make me the most money, but does it also have positive extra more positive externalities than it has negative externalities? You know, and, and what that means is that, like, does the investment actually lead to other forms of good instead of other forms of bad, right? Mm -hmm. So a negative externality mm -hmm. would be like too much pollution, great ROI, great return on investment, but too much pollution. Right. Right. Um, um, great ROI, but geez, like people only wear the clothes two or three times and then they throw them away. Oh, gee, that's negative. Right. So, so I think why impact investment is here to stay is because that's the future and i mean i don't see any world in which like my kids grow up where they're not thinking that way because you know their friends i mean these kids are 10 and 12 and they're already talking like that and I, they're not learning that for me necessarily it's pretty... they don't listen to what they don't listen to what i say they don't listen to you oh, shocking okay <laughs> that's funny um yeah no it's it's an interesting example like to think about it's like if i was I don't know, like investing in Walmart. Like, I think it's a good corporation, but let's just say like they sell cigarettes and like they sell, I don't know, 20 gazillion cigarettes a year. And that's having an impact on 
lung cancer and the packaging and things like that and the tobacco farms, the labor costs. Are you saying like I could reduce my risk, but also like continue to put money that offsets those negative externalities such as lung cancer foundations, um, fair wages around the world for tobacco farms? Is that kind of like the thinking from these investors? Like I I don't want to just squeeze as much profit out as possible. I want to put some money toward the causes that are maybe um, championing the negative externalities that I might be creating as an investor. Yeah, I mean that's certainly the mindset of the of the of the next generation of investor, I believe, and 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 it's informed by by history, right? Because like if all you want is ROI, uh, return on investment, uh, and 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 cigarettes, for example, are a great way to do that. Okay, you know, um, then then the ROI, then then the 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 finance mind goes, we'll just invest in cigarettes. Okay. But then when you find out cigarettes cause all sorts of negative externalities, like health depletion, like, you know, cancers, like th things like that, then you go, oh, gee, like, is it, do I want to make money leading to that? So that's one thing. That's more of a moral ethical question, mm -hmm. you know, to each their own, but that's worth asking. But here's the thing that, you know, especially when you're a charity banker like me, there's no way to use limited charity dollars to take care of things like cancers from smoking when you've got the power of huge corporations, you know, putting, putting cigarettes, you know, everywhere <laughs> and being negative and cynical, you know, uh, uh, advertising to, to you, right? Like there's no way that you can use charity dollars to save um, the world from lung cancer driven by smoking. Right. And so and so the modern change agent will start asking whether the investments they're making are leading to things that no amount of charity dollars could help. I mean, look at look at ocean plastics and pollution. Right. You can't just you can charity can help work towards resolving those problems. And it's really important for people to understand that and to invest into charity. OK. But wouldn't it be nicer if we just prevented all those problems from happening? Yeah, right? exactly. So, so I think that's the issue, right? I think that the modern investor is going to come along and say, it's not just about ROI. It's also about the externalities that come from the corporations that I invest into. And when those externalities are positive and the ROI looks good, I'm in. And when the externalities are negative and the ROI looks, looks good, maybe I'm out. You know, John, I noticed you mentioned a term earlier. I think the term was cause neutral. It was the, the term that you had used. And I could see this really, um, you know, creating some, uh, I guess, taking some headspace for you as a CEO in your organization. Employees that are in other impact CEOs that are in our community are challenging the leader. Why aren't you standing up to this challenge? Why aren't you taking a stance? Um, what's been your experience like with this new way of thinking? Obviously, it's a little bit more conscientious, um, but you also have a responsibility with all of the causes that may differentiate in religion. It could be differentiated in culture, you know. So how, how do you articulate to your employees um, the importance of cause neutral? Like, how do you go about that? Yeah, that's it. 
That's a great question. So, I mean, we, you go to the most fundamental parts of the company, right? You go to the purpose, you go to the mission, and you go to the vision, right? And so in our case, and I'm not saying this is, should be everyone's mission. This just happens to be the mission and, you know, vision of charitable impact, right? Is, is like our purpose is to help people create the change they want to see in the world. So we, Charitable Impact, exists to help you create the change you want to see in the world. So if we're not cause neutral, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not cause neutral. You're our, you're our customer. You're not cause neutral. You care about, you know, um, lung cancer and this other person cares about their church and that person cares about disability and this person cares about you know advancing education for youth whereas this other person cares about advancing education for old people so charitable impact allows the use the, the the donor to personalize their own giving experience to to give to and create change for the things that they care about most and the only reason we can enable that environment is because of our cause neutrality. So our cause neutrality is explained by saying we can't do what we're doing if we're not cause neutral. Mm-hmm. Okay. For, for what it's worth, you could create a donor advised fund that was focused exclusively on a singular cause like climate change. Right. And, and I, I, this is starting to happen and, and, but, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great, that's a great thing for someone else to do. But my strength and, and my, and my interest in life is, is to, 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 to you, my interest in life is to use my strengths to help people engage more with giving. Mm. Okay. And so what I know because of experience and what also sort of academic stuff teaches me is that when people are intrinsically motivated for their own reasons to do something, they're going to do it more. They're going to have more fun doing it. And then they're going to do it more. And then they're going to have more fun doing it. And I could keep saying that over and over and over, right? So our cause neutrality is absolutely critical to, to who we are and what we do. And that's how we explain it. I love that. And, and on the notion of intrinsic motivation, how have you created incentives for your employees to continue to grow uh, in the company, but also grow the output of the company? Like what's your philosophy on incentive structures within your organization? Wow. Uh, That's a really difficult thing to do. Um, It's actually not my specialty, right? One of the things that we'll get to is like, I think leaders need to know what they know and surround themselves with others who, who know things that are different from them, right? And then work as a team. Um, maybe we, we may come back to that. Your, 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 your podcast is so great on pulling those types of things out of people. Um, what I, what I, what I, what I found difficult to learn, I'm 45. Okay. So just, I'm a Gen X, I'm a, I'm a late Gen Xer is that like, it's not all about the money, right? It's not just money that incentivizes people. I mean, everyone likes money, you know, money's super useful in life, et cetera. But so so where that's been lucky or gratifying for, for, for us at Charitable Impact is as such a causal organization is that we attract and retain people, um, particularly those who are super into what we're trying to achieve, right? And then they can come in and, 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 and start to really carve out a niche for themselves and, and, and help us grow in that area. Right. Um, 
so so that's not a sort of tangible incentive, but I think it's an incentive of sorts, and I think we need to do a better job at that. Um, but we we do an okay job at that already today. Well, it seems like your your values are attracting values and values aligned individuals in the company, and you know what a great place, what a great culture, right? To to live and grow in. Um, my question for you now, John, I think is like, like as a CEO, and you're dealing with so much, right? Even you know, growing the company to even like, how do we articulate our values and cause neutrality, right? Like all these little things. How do you define your role as a CEO? Well, in my particular case, I'm definitely the holder and or keeper of the the vision and how we get there. Uh, and that then trickles down into mission and purpose, right? So I definitely live at that level. Um, and the things that frustrate me most are when people you know, go off into their silo and, and do their, do their own work and sort of have what I call a ta-da moment where they go, ta-da, see what I've done, you know, and they haven't really engaged someone like me to ensure <laughs> that the purpose, mission, and vision is really baked into the work that they're doing. Right. Um, and, and, and so a lot of my, a lot of my time and, and what I really enjoy doing, Right, which is also important to me. Like it's easy for me to get up and go to work because I enjoy it so much. And so what I've had to do as a leader is grow to grow in confidence, actually, to to understand that I am allowed to to to, to focus on what I think I'm best at and where I'm uniquely positioned to to help the organization in an outsized way. Um, and then when you do that, you have to, the opposite of that is then to say, okay, well, how do I surround myself with the people who can deliver on areas that I'm less mm, fluent in, less experienced with, or that are less natural to keeping me joyful and happy. Right. Right. So like your incentive questions, I'd rather say, I mean, ask me cause I'm the CEO and have me involved in the decision, but let me punt that to someone else who who really loves dealing with people and understanding what makes them tick to to pull more productive productivity productivity out of them while being happy and joyful, right? I'd punt that question to someone all day long unless it had to do with a donor gift charity. Right. Yeah. No, it's been a pretty consistent uh, response for me for throughout this episode. Hire people who are smarter than you. Listen to them. Delegate. Empower them. I love all that good stuff and all of this, John Bromley. What is your definition of a real leader? So, so, so I think what a real leader does is they know what they know and they have comfort there. And in the world of knowing what they know, they're willing to be wrong because they really do know what they know and they're excited to learn about that. And then, and they also know what they don't know. And then a real leader surrounds themselves with people who know those things and empowers them in a, in a collective team environment to 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 come together and 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 progress you know the organization forward so um real leaders have to be strong in terms of who they are and what they know and what they think themselves and they have to understand the limits of that i love that john thank you so much for educating uh, the layman like myself on this episode today really enjoyed the discussion learned a lot for John Bromley, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, know thyself, and always keep it real. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, Relators, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to Relators.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.